Elementary kids, you can go ahead and head on downstairs. So for most of this school year, we've been talking about the guest house, this house that's right up the hill that our friend Sam Donahue lives in and provides a steady stream of hospitality to the vulnerable in our neighborhood. This morning, we're going to pull back the curtain on that house and give you a glimpse of what's going on inside. But before I turn things over to Sam to tell you the stories, I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory, which actually begins about this time last year when I introduced Sam to Rob Howitt. He already had this really great idea for creating a family home setting in this neighborhood for kids at Edison, specifically many of the boys who had been playing basketball for several years. And the more that they talked, the more it seemed like this could really happen. Like, yeah, we could get a house. We could, like, really get a house. And at the same time, we were consulting with our friend Tate Williams at the Global Orphan Project about our expression of care for the fatherless in our neighborhood. And early last summer, our staff, along with a few other people here at Wellspring, took a trip to Kansas City to meet with some ministry leaders who were farther along in their mission work, and they told us their stories They shared their lessons learned, and we just got a chance to soak up their collective wisdom. And as much as that day, that really long day, felt like drinking water from a fire hose, there was one little slice of extremely bold encouragement that kept rising to the surface. And this is what we heard. We heard, just step into the space. If you believe that God is calling you to care for the modern-day widows and orphans where you live, just go out there, and God will bring them to you. Now, ironically, as we were listening to all this experience and this expertise so that we could carefully plan and effectively prepare, what we were hearing was, don't plan too much. Just step into the space God will honor your faith, and he will lead you. Now, that sounds risky and reckless and a whole lot irresponsible a little bit. But we did it anyway. We leased the Williams house up the street, and Sam Donahue moved in in the middle of August. And even though we had no idea who God would bring us or exactly how things were going to play out, We had this very clear vision, and Sam was the first one to speak it into existence when she said, I just want to show and tell Jesus. Show and tell. Jesus. Now, let me explain to you what we mean by that. There are several places in the Gospels where the writers record the account of Jesus sending out his 12 disciples without him on their own short-term mission trip. In Luke's gospel, we can find the story of Jesus sending out his larger group of followers, the 72. This is recorded in Luke 10, and this is what it says. 
After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. In other words, Jesus instructed them to give the people first an experience of God and then an explanation. He said, give them an experience of my healing and then explain the good news that in the kingdom of God, there is a power that can change anything. Jesus sent his disciples out to represent him. He explained that they would be sent out like sheep among wolves, and they could expect welcome and rejection. The same is true for us when we represent Christ to our friends and our families and our neighbors. Personally, I've noticed that when I'm representing Jesus, I'm prone to lead more towards the experience side of things. I want to embody the way of Jesus in the way I relate to other people. But I'll often hesitate to explain the good news. I can be really, really good at presence, but really, really lousy at proclamation. I can be all show and no tell. And that might lead to really nice community where friends feel loved and accepted and validated. But over the long haul, it can come up kind of short on transformation. And likewise, there are others who represent Jesus mostly through explanation, sometimes lacking the patience to be fully present with people first. And the message can get lost in what feels like all talk. In other words, all tell and no show. Up the street, the hospitality offered at the guest house almost every day includes an experience of feeding, listening, playing, compassion, mercy, and a lot of forgiveness. And this landscape is the fertile ground out of which relationships grow, the kind of relationships that can speak the truth. It's become a continuous calibration of experience and explanation. Since August, Sam has given a home to a single mother and her three children. She has invited teenage girls to stay with her who are over the age of 18, but too vulnerable to care for themselves in the absence of stable families who can help them. She has helped all of the guests who've lived in her house move from complete dependency to self-sufficiency. But what seems to be evident is the consistency with which the children in this neighborhood end up on the doorstep. And these children live in this neighborhood in houses and apartments with grown-ups that are in them. 
but many of them don't have a grown-up who will be their champion and their advocate. This is who God is bringing us, the children in this neighborhood who need grown-ups who care. And this clarity continues to affirm our laser focus on this neighborhood. But enough from me. The stories that Sam can tell brings all this vision to life, so I'm going to let you hear it right from her. Oh, that's upside down. Good morning, friends. Today, I just want to offer you um, a glimpse into all the things that we have experienced and learned in the last eight months just up the hill. It has been a ridiculously crazy, chaotic, whirlwind, amazing, joyous, and transforming experience this far. As much as that sentence is hard to follow and comprehend, it is absolutely 100% on point as what it has looked like at that house. I want to tell everyone a quick little bit about me. Um, I am an absolute control freak. (laughs) So I have this way of doing everything, like my own little way of everything that I do. Um, So before all this, I was a single female living in this tiny apartment, and um, I could control everything. I kept it clean and knew where everything was, and that's how it was. And then God put it on my heart that I was going to move into this neighborhood, into a huge house, and serve the children and the neighbors or whoever came up to me. And there was absolutely no one who was going to talk me out of that. Like, it was going to happen. Um, But now I know that God is, like, laughing because I also have this phobia of germs, and I want my hands to be clean constantly. So if, like, I'm going to do something that my hands are sticky, I won't do that unless there's a sink nearby so that I can get my hands clean again. Um, But how funny is that? Because when you have all these children, um, I sit down to sticky syrup that's left on the table, and um, just, like, they're making messes that wouldn't normally be in just a single person's house. And then also I have this, like, when there's a bowl of, like, goodies on the table, like M&M's, I want to put a spoon in there so that you take it out. Or if there's chips, I want you to, and I model this by showing you, like, hey, put them out like this. Don't put your hand in there. So now children are, like, putting their hand in the bag. (laughs) Ugh. (laughs) You have no idea, and I fight all the time with them. Don't do that. I don't want you to touch my things. I don't want your germs. Um, So... But a year ago, I had no idea, y'all, that I was such a control freak and that this was something that God wanted to work on with me. Um, And I'm learning that I have to just let that go because these kids are not coming to come to a clean house or to experience sanitary living conditions. They are coming to experience love and have a different experience than what they've had. So they could care less if I washed my hands before I was putting their food on the cookie sheet for dinner. Um... I can't remember a time or the exact timeline. It gets kind of fuzzy because everything's happened so fast as far as, like, when it all fell into this. Um, But I know that I started going over to the playground and giving out snacks, and um, a couple of kids were talking about it because word travels, like, so fast um, in this neighborhood. 
So now the house is definitely known, and everyone knows who I am when I walk over to Edison. Um, So we have about 5 to 20 children nightly that come over. And what that kind of looks like is we start with their homework and make sure that that's complete. Um, We always get a snack, and then we start playing games. And that's like the PS3 and the Wii. They love those. But then also, like, just board games and one-on-one attention of being able to, like, sorry and trouble. They love those as well. Um, But when it's hot, they don't want to be in the house. They want to go down to the park, and we'll play, like, basketball or foursquare. And I am not coordinated and do not like to run. So I am the foursquare player. But I get a little competitive with that, so I kind of kind of tone it down sometimes. And there hasn't ever been, like, this official Bible study that we have set up with the kids. Um, But Jesus sneaks in every single day. Like, it's so, I don't know, just a crazy experience with that. Because I'm transparent with them. They know that I go to Wellspring. There's crosses everywhere that we talk about Jesus. Um, They know that I work for the church, and it, like, blows their mind that I get paid to just hang out with them. Like, they can't understand that part of how that can be a job. Um, in best job ever, by the way. Um, so I just want to tell you a few stories about that, um, of like how Jesus shows up when you wouldn't expect that. Uh, sweets are something that are never short at the guest house. Always, always, always have sweets. And I have this cookie jar that sits on the kitchen counter. And one day I was like doing dishes and I had three boys over and they kept like stealing cookies. Like I wasn't going to see that they were stealing them because it's like me and then the cookie jar. And, um, I told them, like, you don't have to steal. Just ask me. Like, anything here is for you. Like, if you can have a cookie, just ask. So one of the boys was like, yeah, you sinner, stealing. And then (laughs) that boy was like, what's sinner mean? So that, like, opened up this huge conversation about um, sinning and how once we were separated from God and then now um, Jesus came down and he died for us and like we're one with Jesus and we get to go to heaven and um, when we recognize our sin that we need to repent from that and um, of course it's well what does repent mean so then I talked about repenting and um, how we would like pray to God and like try to get out of that sin cycle and um, so of course this is a good talk but my honorary little boys again steal a cookie from the cookie jar and I'm like what do we just talk about so then he gets on his knees and he's like I'm sorry Lord for sinning <laughs> I was like, well, you got something out of that story. So I spent a lot of time in the kitchen preparing food for the kids because that will draw any child, any boy. Um, But the dining room is like our center of where we're always at. And Rob Starr donated this amazing eight-foot table that sits in there. Um, And it goes great with the woodwork. I mean, it just, God made that table for this house. So... There's also a picture of the Last Supper on the wall, and one night we were eating, because we always have, like, I don't know, 10 kids around there, and um, one of the boys was like, hey, that table looks like our table, and I was like, yeah, you're right, buddy, it does look like our table, and this little girl, she was new, it was like the first night I'd met her, and she was like, well, what is that picture of? Like, she didn't even know what the Last Supper picture was, so I said, um, you know, this is Jesus' Last Supper, and um, he broke the bread with the disciples and drank the wine, and that was, like, to signify breaking his body and um, shedding his blood for us and tried to explain, like, the communion process and how we do that to grow closer with God. And, um, I mean, she understood, and, like, that's what the dinner conversation was, but she was so, like, dumbfounded by 
kind of freaked out, I guess, of like we drink his blood and eat his body. And But um, anyways, that was just another time that Jesus showed up, and I just love that. So um, another thing that I like to do with the kids is like when we have service projects here, I'll bring them down. And a couple weeks ago, um, before Easter, we Jeanette had asked me to help with the... Um, on here on Jules, there's a bunch of plants, and we, she wanted to rake out the leaves from the fall and, like, make it look better for Easter Sunday because we have a lot of guests on Easter. So I was like, sure, the boys usually say the night. We'll get them, and it'll be awesome, and we'll come down there. <clears throat> so I took a couple boys down there, and it is, like, cold, and the wind is whipping, and nobody wants to be there. I don't want to be there. I'm being honest with you. But we, I'm like, we have to do this a couple hours, guys. It's going to be fine. And <clears throat> so we're finally, like, you know, doing all this and bagging them up, and I hear them saying, like, I hope tomorrow they say our name at church and recognize us, and I was like, why do you want them to recognize you? Like, I don't understand what you're getting at, and they just like, well, we did this hard work, and I was like, what if Jesus came here to get recognized? Like, what if that was his goal, to just come here so people would say, I'm Jesus, he's awesome, and um, I was like, that was never what he did. He came here to, you know, die for us and have this relationship with us, and he never wanted to be recognized, and so I can see, like, their mind churning, and then they're like, well, you don't have to say our name, but can you at least say that somebody raked up the leaves? (laughs) We'll talk about it, buddy. We'll try to get that story in front of the church for you. Um, But my favorite part about that day is we're so cold, and our hands were, like, wet, even though we had gloves on, and we go home, and I'm making lunch for them, and they got, like, I have this big blanket tub, and they got all the blankets out, and I turned the heat up, and they got, we're making forts around the, um, gosh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> They're making forts around the heating vents. Woo. And I kept checking on them. And one of my boys said, you're the best thing that's ever happened to us. <sighs> sorry. And I just, like, can't get that out of my mind that, like, I don't do anything special for them. But that was just a really awesome compliment that I wanted to tell you. I have breathe on my paper because I knew that was going to get me. (laughs) And this is another thing. Like, There's all these unwritten rules with children, and teachers will understand that. Thank you so much. Um, Actually, anybody that works with kids. And the best way I can describe it is, like, if you've seen, like, Coach Carter or Freedom Riders, this adult goes in to work with this rough group of kids, and they're, like, push back, push back. Like, you're not going to tell me what to do. I, I, I know what's going on. I'm, I'm, a kid, I'm a big person in this world. And then, um, you know, this adult is just like, I just want to show you a new way that people, that there's something different that you can do. And um, then somehow in the movie, like, that climax moment when the kids, like, finally accept them and things, like, shift. And that's where, like, this whole progress is. And that has, like, been the story of my life at this house. <laughs> so much fighting, so much pushback, like, trying to establish rules to let them know that, like, I love you, but you can't act like that here. Like, you're going to have to leave for the day or whatever. And um, this... Like, early March, I had this activity planned. We were going to go to the park for a little bit, and then we were going to eat dinner, and then we were going to the circus, and that was going to be a fun time. And we're taking nine little boys to the circus. So that was a rough day. (laughs) Um, But I take, like, these nine boys to the park. And meanwhile, you have to remember, I don't look like any of these boys, okay? I'm dealing with multiculturalists here. 
And there's like, it's the first hot day of the spring, and there's all these kids on the playground. Everybody's out because we want to be out. We've had like these negative 30-degree days. And there's like 25 kids playing basketball, and I got like 20 on the jungle gym, and they all know me, so I'm like trying to also like referee, quit doing things. And this family comes in, and things just change, the atmosphere. And I knew that it was going to be rough. And they immediately walk over to the um, basketball court, and they're like, you're going to play half court because we're going to play on this half. And I'm thinking, oh, please, please no fighting today. And then they're like, okay. And I was like, "Woo, thank you, Jesus. Like, not fighting today. And then um, I'm, like, checking the playground, the jungle gym, checking the basketball court. Everybody's having a good time. And then I, like, look over, and I see the tag is becoming rough on the jungle gym area. But I'm like, they're going to be okay. They'll work this out. And then I look back to basketball. The next thing I know, I got, and I come back to the jungle gym, like, full blows, okay? We're, like, fist fighting on the playground over here. And, of course, they're the two that I brought with me, not just children that are there. Of course, they're mine. So I walk up to them, and I'm like, okay, guys, sorry, like, got to go home. And these, this family is, like, on their leaving. But the boys are so upset because now you don't get to go to the circus because that's the rule. Like, if you fight at the house, you go home for that day, come back tomorrow, we'll try again. And they're like, no, 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 we want to go to the circus, you know. And the one boy's like, he started it. I was just defending myself. And so this mom is like, you don't know what's going on, and you're not the police, and this is a public place. Like, she doesn't have a clue what's going on, and she's probably, like, to the end of the pew area here with me. And I say, because they're, like, leaving the playground, I'm like, it's okay, ma'am, thank you, I got this. And I don't even, she's like, I'll whoop your butt, you get that hand out of my face. And I was like, oh, and, like, the whole playground stops. And everybody's looking like everybody is looking, okay? And because, you know, fight's about to break out. And my two boys, who have given me the hardest time this whole time, run over to the fence. And one of them says, you ain't going to touch Sam. Insert a profanity word. (laughs) And I was like, you apologize to her right now. We do not talk like that. So then he's like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you. And this lady's just like looking at me like, are you crazy? So thankfully, they leave, but then all the kids come over and like, what are you doing? What if she would have hit you? What would have happened? And I was like, I guess she would have hit me. I don't know. Like, (laughs) Jesus tells me that I'm supposed to turn my cheek. Like, I'm not supposed to hit back. And then, like, their whole mind is just dumbfounded of that. And then my other little boy, who, their brothers, was so mean and aggressive. He says to me, well, she wasn't going to touch you. Nobody's going to touch you. Don't you worry about that. And I was just like... I made it. I've got got the respect. They love me, finally. (sighs) Man, I can't get over that day. It's crazy. So most days I wake up, and I cannot believe that God is using me and changing me for this. Like, I'm not going to lie to you and say that every day I'm thankful for that, though, because I'm human, and I'm constantly busy with kids, and I go to school, And I have family and friends and Bible study and just life in general. And I'm so ashamed to tell you this story, but I have to. A couple of weeks ago, I had multiple children over on Friday night, and there wasn't a lot of help because everybody had things going on. So it was like a lot of kids and not a lot of adults. Chaos. And Friday, we took 20, or that was Friday. And Saturday, we took 20 plus children to skating, skate land for my birthday party to give them a big, joyous time. And then Sunday, I helped my father clean out my late uncle's apartment. So I had, like, all these emotions going, and it was, like, so much in such a little time. And 
my plan, remember my control freak, was I'm going to come home, and I'm showering, and I'm studying, and I'm sleeping, and I'm just resting, and I'll do it again tomorrow. Like, that's when I'm going to head back to life. And I walk in the back gate, and there's two little boys standing on my side gate, and I say in the most hateful human voice I have, do I have a freaking magnet on me? Do you know when I get here? And one of the little boys is like, well, we just saw your car. And the other little boy says, I'm just hungry, Sam. Because I hadn't been there all day, so I knew that they hadn't ate that day. So here I am, like, standing this tall. So again, I want to get back to my plan. I'm like, okay, I'll feed you guys, but it's going to be something quick. We're going to, like, warm up burritos. And before um, we eat, we always have to, I, I ask them to pray. And they usually do, like, a memorized prayer, but I say, like, hey, why don't you just talk to God? Like, try that out. And they never really do. And that night, they said, thank you for this house. Thank you for this food. And thank you for Sam for loving us. Ooh, I'm feeling really small at that point. And my whole time, I'm like, please get out. Don't make me like have to confront this, that I'm being human right now. I got plans tonight. I want to be selfish. I want to do me today and not anything for anybody else. And I, we hung out and talked about the day and what they've been doing. And then I took them home. And I always tell the kids when I drop them off, like, bye, buddy, I love you. I'll see you next time or whatever, because I always want them to hear I love you, that they know that somebody on this earth cares that they exist. And this one little boy always is just like, yeah, or he doesn't say anything at all when he gets out of my car. And that day he was like, I love you too, Sam. I cried that all the way home because I was like, man, that was a con- I need to... I don't even know. It was awful. Some texts are Stacey and tell them, like, I thank God, like, knows right when you're about to tip off the edge. And then he just reels you back in. Because after that, I was like, okay, I can do this again. I'm ready. Who else wants to come over and eat tonight? <laughs> and I always, like, never, ever, ever wanted to be this church person. I just became a Christian a little over two years ago, y'all. Like, and I had, like, a stigma of what church people were, and it's scary to me, and now I'm like the church person. <laughs> so that's another funny thing that God does. And I just want to tell you like how contagious God is. And I know that you guys know this, but when you meet new people, you know, one of the opening lines is, hey, what do you do for a living? And I always had this policy of like, keep it under two minutes because nobody really cares. Like, that's just a, how you doing, you know? And, But how do I sum up the house in two minutes? Like, what? I don't even understand the house. So two minutes. So then, like, I always get more than that. And they'll, like, ask more questions. And, like, that's reeling them into things. And, like, my favorite part is because the people who are most intrigued aren't Christians. And they always ask, like, how does this work? Where's the funding? How? Like, what do you do? And I'm just like, I don't know. God shows up. It just happens. Like, I talk to it. Like, as a Christian, I don't understand it. Like, God just shows up. Every time, I mean, people I would never have imagined show up, and they give their time and their money and their food 
They give rides to kids. They give candy. I mean, you name it, God shows up every time. And I'm so foolish because every time I'm like, woo, that was cool. My my prayers are answered. And I haven't, like, fully decided if that's something that I should or shouldn't lose. Because I want to trust God and know that that, like, have that faith that he's always going to be there. But then I always want to have that amazement when he shows up. So I, I, I haven't decided which, where I need to be at on that. And one of my best unexpected gifts out of everything here is my high school and college friends. Um, basically these two rows right here of my loves. Um, and that just like randomly worked out too. Because Taylor Kennedy, who brought me to Wellspring, him and his wife decided to donate this TV, and they came over, and Cade Coffee was with him, and I, like, talked to them about the house and gave a tour, and then the next thing I know, it's, like, Friday, and Cade is like, hey, I'm bringing Cade Muster over, and we're just going to hang out. I'm, okay, like, okay, and then, like, Abigail Burr, and Faith, and Peyton, and Mac, like, er- they just all came, and Clint, like, I mean, everybody just coming, and, like, hanging out with these kids, and, like, the kids love them. You have no idea how much they love them, and it's so cool to see, like, high school kids giving back to elementary kids, and just, like, the elementary kids say all the high school kids are their boyfriend, when they found out Peyton was Rob's um, daughter. Oh, I don't like her. No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> don't tell coach I said that. Don't tell coach. <clears throat> so... <laughs> just hilarious. I just love all the joy that's being shared there and like how much Jesus is being shown. And there's so many things that I wish I could tell you about these kids and their lives, but I can't. There's this awkward space that I am in because the things that I can think of immediately that have changed me deal directly with the kids and their stories. But that's their stories. And I don't want to take their voice away. I want them to be able to share them one day. But some of the things I wish I could tell you were about the kids who have to say goodbye to their parents because they're going to be incarcerated or children that miss the school bus or school because they have to babysit younger siblings because their parents can't miss work that day. Children who get yelled at for coming home before it's dark. Children who worry about if they're going to be able to have a place to sleep tonight and they're just praying, please let some force they show up. Or the kids that have family members that tell them nobody wants them. The reality is that that's happening right here. And it is absolutely heartbreaking. But I'm so thankful that God gave us this safe place for these wonderful kids. So thankful. I was told the more that you love the more that you will hurt. Because the more that you love, the more you know. The more you become detached, the more you want to help. Then you're hooked. That's the place I'm at right now. As much as I tell you it's chaos and sticky and I'm tired, and multiple days I'm like, did you pick the right one, God? Am I supposed to be here? I can't not do this, and I can't not hear those heartbreaking stories. And just when you think you've healed and you're making some progress, something's going to happen and it rips your heart out again. But we continue to just love harder. And I know that this is exactly what we do to Jesus. 
but he continues to love us deeper. And I hope that we continue to love deeper through him. Y'all, thank you for letting me share this morning. anybody else need these? I am very snotty up on the front row, um, and I need you to